Good morning, Shelby Road Baptist Church. Brothers and sisters, I'm so excited that you have joined us today for the last week of our series, God Wrote a Book. We have done this series for one very simple reason. The most important thing about you is what you believe about the Bible. It will determine everything about you. We've talked through some truths in this series. That God's word is tied to his presence, so to be close to God is to be close to the Bible. We've talked about the fact that no matter what I understand in it, no matter how much uh, I think I get something out of it when I read it, God's word is always working when I read it, when I'm exposed to it, when I listen to it. Okay? We've also talked about last week that we need to do some heart prep work. We need to weed out sin and we need to pour over a humble attitude as we approach God's word so that the word planted in us will begin to grow. But this week, this week is the difference maker, okay? In fact, it's such a difference maker that none of the rest of the weeks of this series will matter at all if we don't nail the lesson that we're going to learn this week. So let's dive in. I want you to remember last time that you were at a party. Okay, I know it's been a little while since we've been able to do parties, really, but uh, you remember last time you were at a social gathering. Just imagine that you've been there for half an hour, an hour. You're hanging out with everybody. You're laughing at jokes. You're cracking jokes. You're smiling. You're having a good time. And then a really good friend notices something and comes up to you, and they whisper something in your ear, and it's about the last thing that you want to hear. It's this. You've got something stuck in your teeth. You ever been here? I've been here before. It's mortifying because you realize now, so man, how long has this been in my teeth? Is this, have I been like this the whole night? Have I been laughing and smiling like this the whole night? And the moment of truth comes, what are you gonna do with that piece of information, man? You are going to act on it, right? If you're any normal, well-adjusted person, you are going to do something with this. You're going to find the nearest bathroom. You're going to locate some floss if you've got some or if a friend's got some. Or you're going to find your, your, any utensil you can get your hands on and you are going to get this thing out of your teeth because it's humiliating. It's mortifying. It's embarrassing. It's something that you need to pay attention to and do something about immediately. Well... That's a good friend who will come up and let you know that this is what's happening because there's no way that you could just see it by yourself. And, and this is one of the most important functions of the Bible as God has written it. As we read the Bible, it reads us. And sometimes, many times, it will show us things about ourselves that, quite frankly, we'd rather not see, that we'd rather not accept, that are kind of mortifying, kind of embarrassing because we're sinful people. And that's where the moment of truth comes. What are we going to do with the information? Are we going to go and do something about it? Or are we not going to do anything about it? And far too often, we're people who don't do anything about it. And we learn about this, uh, this phenomena in James chapter 1. Last week, we went up to verse 20, we're gonna, or 21. We're going to continue today, starting in verse 22. James 1, starting in verse 22, says this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. All right. 
Here is the difference maker. Here's the lesson that we need to take with us that we cannot forget. All right, if you don't get anything else today, get this. Here it is. God did not write the Bible so his word would be heard. God wrote the Bible so his word would be done. Okay, God did not write the Bible so his word would be heard. He wrote it so his word would be done. Okay, there is an effect, a force and effect to God speaking. Every time God speaks, things happen, or at least they should happen. We've seen this all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 in the creation of the world that God said, let there be light, and there was light. Because when God speaks, when God's word comes out, something happens. And when something doesn't happen, when I read his word and it doesn't change me, it doesn't change my life the way that it's supposed to, there is a serious problem and a huge, huge breakdown. So it turns out that there's two kinds of people who read the Bible. There's two kinds of Bible readers in the world. And we see this in uh, the verse that we just covered. It's verse 25. But I want to use a slightly different translation for a moment. We usually use the NIV, the New International Version. It's a great version. It's what we use every week here at Shelby Road. But the NASB, the New American Standard Bible, is a little more uh, exact in what's in the Greek. And so I want to use this uh, as uh, a next step here as we look into the language of verse 25. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become, here it is, a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, I love that language, this man will, will be blessed in what he does. And so these are the two kinds of people who read the Bible. In this world, in this church, there are two kinds of people who read the Bible, forgetful hearers and effectual doers. Um, What's the difference here between these two people? I think that there is a little more in common between these two kinds of people than you might normally be inclined to think. So let's take a look at this chart here. The forgetful hearer goes to church every week. And the effectual doer also goes to church every week. The forgetful hearer reads the Bible regularly. They've got a reading plan. They go through it, maybe read it in a year. And the effectual doer also reads the Bible regularly. The forgetful hearer studies the Bible. They look into words and definitions and all those things. They, they, they pay close attention to the text, and so does the effectual doer. The forgetful hearer pays close attention to theology, right? So they know things about God. They know theological terms like omnipresent and omniscient and all of those things, and so does the effectual doer. But here's the difference. The forgetful hearer persists in disobedience. And the effectual doer strives for obedience. There's a lot more in common between these two than you might think. And it's much easier to become a forgetful hearer of God's word than we might think. And there's a breakdown. In fact, there's a couple of breakdowns in here that we need to pay close attention to. And we see it in our text as well. Um, But the first breakdown is this. The forgetful hearer deceives themselves when they hear the word of truth when they're told they've got something in their teeth that they need to pay attention to they deceive themselves whereas the effectual doer accepts the difficult truth Um, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves this is what james says and how does it work how do i deceive myself this is actually something we're very good at we are very very good at deceiving ourselves 
Even if we tend to be good at deceiving other people, we are experts at deceiving ourselves. And the way that we do this is that we hear through God's word about a sin, something in our lives we need to pay attention to, close attention to. And instead of accepting it fully as true, we can do some of what we did last week. We talked about it last week, overshadow it with somebody else's sin. Well, I'm not perfect, but at least I don't do this. I don't do what this other person does. And we're able to kind of sidestep or dismiss our sin. Um, when I'm told by the Bible that I'm selfish, right? That I'm a selfish person. I might, I might think something like, well, I'm not that selfish. You know I mean? I have selfish tendencies, you know, and sometimes I have selfish moments, but, but I'm not a selfish person. Right? Or, or when, I'm, when the Bible tells me I, I'm a complainer and I need to stop complaining and instead of accepting that truth fully, I deceive myself by saying, oh, well, I'm not a complainer. Listen, I just, I just tell it like it is. Okay? I, I, just, I, am, I am a realist. Right? This is what we do and we deceive ourselves in this. Uh, I am told by Scripture that I have a judgmental heart. But really, no, I, I, I am just, I am looking straight into this person's heart and I'm telling the truth about why they're doing things, even though that is something that only God can do, right? This is what we do. We deceive ourselves. We overshadow, sidestep our sin. And in doing so, we can no longer, we are no longer seeing ourselves the way that the Bible seeing us. This is absolutely huge, right? The effectual doer accepts the difficult truth. When the effectual doer reads God's word, and God's word says in Philippians 2 that I should look after the interests of others and not my own interests, that I should not be selfish, the effectual doer realizing I have been a selfish person. And they accept it. Are you accepting the truth that God's word is revealing to you, even if it's a truth that you'd rather not look at? Even if it's something you'd rather not see about yourself. We have to accept the difficult truths about ourselves if we are going to be doers of God's word. James uses a couple of important examples here. In James chapter 1, 26 and 27, he says this, Those who consider themselves religious, right, who go to church, read the Bible, know scripture, and yet do not keep a tight ring on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is Worthless, He says that all of the Bible reading, all the church going, all that stuff is worthless. It's trash if it doesn't result in doing God's word. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, this is awfully specific. Uh, orphans and widows, looking after them in their distress. James uses these examples because they're the things that the church in Jerusalem were failing in when he wrote this letter. They were really good at knowing scripture, being religious, going to church, doing these things, but they were not good at accepting the truth about themselves. Where God's word says, keep a tight rein on your tongue, they were failing to do this and yet considered themselves religious. And we do the same thing. God's word tells me that I complain and yet I do nothing about it. But I consider myself religious. I consider myself a follower of Jesus. This is a dangerous place to be when we're deceiving ourselves. This looks like something else too, but it's kind of a second breakdown that we see. The forgetful hearer not only deceives themselves, but the forgetful hearer looks away from the word. Uh, we see this in the text uh, where it says that 
The man who looks at himself in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away, immediately forgets what he looks like. He goes away. But whoever looks intently to the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, they don't go away. They don't look away from the word. They keep the word in view. That is an effectual doer. We look away from the word in a couple of different ways. The first one is that we use a devotional in the morning and we read and are faithful to the devotional in the morning and then we close the book and we go on with the rest of our day and God's word never makes another entrance into our day. That is one way that we look away from God's word. It's a breakdown. We look away from it and we become a hearer rather than a doer. Uh, this is a dangerous place. Devotionals can be dangerous. They can be really helpful, but they can be dangerous if they lean into this weakness that we have where I can read the Bible in the morning and get done and think I've fulfilled what God wanted me to do. And so the rest of the day is kind of up to me. And so I, I, might, I might read my devotional, read my Bible every single morning all month long and yet still not be a doer of God's word because I have the feeling of following rather than actually following. And this is what that does. When I look away from God's word, I read it every day, but I look away from it. And I don't carry it with me throughout the day. This is the feeling of following and not actually following. But secondly, there's another dangerous thing here, and it's when we read the word with good intentions. Um, sometimes I'll look into the word, and quite honestly, uh, I will come to the conclusion that, man, I, you know what, I'm a pretty selfish person, and I will sit and think, man, I should do something about how selfish I am. And then I close the Bible, and I set it on the shelf, and I think, I'm going to try to be less selfish today. Well, those are good intentions, but if there's no follow through on good intentions and there frequently aren't, you're going to end the day by being just as selfish as you were when you started. You're going to end the day by complaining just as much or more than you did when you started, even though you had good intentions. And then we become frustrated with ourselves, frustrated with whatever devotional we purchased. And if we're not careful, we will end up being spiritual sponges. We soak up all of this knowledge about God. And yet, at the end of the day, we'll just end up stinking because we will not actually pour it out in action uh, in our lives. This is what happens to a forgetful hearer of God's word. Don't be a hearer. Let's be doers. So what does that look like? Well, there's a strategy to being a doer of God's word. And I want us to look at it here. It's three, kind of three-tiered. And we've talked about a couple of these, but here's the first step. We need to accept difficult truth about ourselves. I need to be willing to accept the difficult truth about myself and not sidestep it, not deceive myself, not, uh, not explain away or anything like that. But when I read the word and it becomes clear that I am failing in a particular area, to accept that as 100% true, that's the first step. Secondly, I need to stay plugged into the power of the spirit. This is what I mean by... You don't look away from the word. You keep it in view. So as I read a verse that tells me that I am somebody who is, I am worrying all the time and I shouldn't be worrying. Do not worry, says Jesus. Matthew 6, if I'm, if I'm going to not worry, instead of just closing the Bible and leaving that moment in the morning, I'm going to, I'm going to take a three by five card. I'm going to write down that verse and I'm going to put it somewhere where I'm going to see it multiple times today because I know that the power to obey comes from the word of God himself 
right? The Spirit inspired the word and in prayer. So every time I see that verse, I'm going to pray. It's going to prompt me to pray to ask God to help me not to worry anymore. Every single time I see it throughout my day. I don't have to take my whole Bible with me everywhere I go. You can. But I need to bring God's word and keep it in view. And I stay plugged into the power of the Spirit by doing this, right? I accept the difficult truth about myself. I stay plugged into the power of the Spirit so that I have God's words in view throughout my day. And they're prompting me to prayer Right, So that I can pray about my selfishness, I can pray about my greed, I can pray about my lust as I see the verses in God's word that have made this stuff known to me. They've shown me the stuff in my teeth. That's how I keep plugged into the power of the Spirit. And here's the third thing. I need to make a specific plan to obey. Now, there's a lot of people who are listening to this message right now and maybe you've done steps one and two. You're going to have a problem accepting the difficult truth about yourself. Maybe you don't have a problem staying plugged into the power of the Spirit. You bring God's Word with you all the time. But the the breakdown has occurred for you in this area. You've not made a specific plan to obey. You've only made general plans or vague plans to obey. When you think to yourself, I should be less selfish than I am. Well, that's great. But without a specific plan, it's not going to stick. Specific obedience sticks. Specific obedience sticks. So what does this look like? Well, a few months ago, we did a message on Matthew 5, 6, right? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, that God says he wants us to hunger after righteousness, which is basically what he wants. Well, we used a little chart there that had some examples. I'm going to bring it right back here today to refresh our memory and to show us this is how this is done. This is how we become doers of God's word. We become people who are righteous. Um, Let's go through just a little tour of scripture here for a few minutes. Uh, Let's say you're reading in Galatians and you come across a verse like Galatians 5.13. It says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Then ask this question, what does God want from me? What does God want here? He wrote his word, not so that it would be heard, so that it would be done. So what does he want done here? And the right response is that he wants me to serve, as opposed to being selfish. So now I know in this verse, this is what it is. So I'm going to take that verse, I'm going to put it in front of my face all day long. I'm going to use it as a prayer prompt, but then I'm going to make a specific plan. Maybe in your own home, you're going to just decide, I'm going to let somebody else decide what we watch tonight. That might be a big sacrifice for some of you. I'm going to let somebody else in the home decide what we eat for dinner tonight. I'm going, to make, I'm going to let them make the plan for the weekend as opposed to always getting what I want. Maybe when we reopen services at Shelby Road next Sunday, June 7th, instead of taking the parking spot that's the closest to the building, I'm going to, I'm going to park furthest away so that somebody else can have a shorter walk. I'm going to serve people rather than be selfish. What about if you're reading in Acts and you come across a verse like Acts 20.35 where it says this, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. What does God want from me? He wants me to give and not be greedy. Right. So maybe also when the restaurants open up, I'm going to tip big. right? Because he wants me to be a giver. He wants me to give what I have as opposed to keeping it for myself and being greedy maybe maybe you're going to say <clears throat> you're going to say no to something small maybe a treat that you buy for yourself at the gas station on your way to work every day 
And you're going to tally that amount, and at the end of the month, you're going to do something generous, specifically generous for another family in this church. Maybe you're going to get a, a, get a meal or a pizza party for a family using the money that you denied yourself. That's being generous, and it's a specific plan. Maybe if you're reading in the passage that we covered today, and you come across the verse we covered today, James 1.27, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. What does God want from me here? Well, he wants me to not ignore people in need. He wants me to help them. And so I'm going to go out of my way to specifically find somebody in maybe our church community who I know is hurting in some way, shape, or form. Maybe they're going through a profound medical difficulty or something like that, and I'm going to reach out today specifically. I'm going to send them a text. I'm going to give them a phone call. That's a specific plan to obey. Maybe you're reading in Ephesians chapter 4 and you come across a verse like this. Verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. What does God want from me? He wants all the words that come out of my mouth to be beneficial. He wants me to encourage and not to criticize. How often we are so quick to criticize, right? My criticism tends to be loud and specific, and when my encouragements are barely heard and they're kind of vague, it doesn't really help. But maybe today... When I think something good about somebody else, I'm going to go out of my way to make sure to say it to them because I don't want to rob them of a blessing just because I'm afraid of it being awkward. This is what I'm going to do. Now, there's some of you that have heard those examples and you're hearing this message and you might be thinking something like this. Man, that sounds impossible. It feels so hard to do. And it is hard. This is going to be one of the hardest things you have ever done. But it is not impossible. I just want to close out by leaving you with this encouragement from Deuteronomy chapter 30 that says this. Now, what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven that you should have to ask, who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us that we may obey it? Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask, who will cross the sea and get it and proclaim it to us that we may obey it? No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it. The strategy of the doer. Accept difficult truth about myself. Don't sidestep it. Don't deceive myself. I need to stay plugged into the power of the Spirit where I'm going to keep his word with me. I'm not going to look away. I'm going to keep his word with me throughout the day and I'm going to pray it through and I'm going to make a specific plan to obey because specific obedience sticks. This is how we become doers of God's word and not just hearers of God's word. It's dangerous to just be a hearer. Satan is a hearer of God's word. He knows God's word better than you and I do probably. Can quote it verbatim. But the difference is we are doers of God's word because it's our final authority and it has an effect on our lives when God speaks. Let's be doers of God's word and watch how it changes your life from the inside out. Don't just read it. Don't just hear it. Make a plan and do it. Right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the power that you give us to do your word and not just hear your word, Lord. Every one of us, there's, there, is ways, there are ways of the Spirit speaking to us as we hear this message today. Let us listen and may it result in a plan for obedience, Lord, that you will empower with your spirit. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.